Welcome to Scanner School. My name is Phil Lichtenberger, and this podcast is here to help you learn more about the scanner radio hobby. So what is interoperability, or interop for short? Well, our guest today, Garrett Farwell, joins the podcast again. Garrett's a repeat offender. This is, I've lost track of how many times Garrett has been here on the podcast, but this is the first time that Garrett and I have sat down to do a video podcast. And, you know, I learned something about the format here and we'll make improvements to it, but the meat and potatoes are all here. Garrett has a great presentation. He spent the time doing a bit of homework and research, and he's here today to talk about what he learned about local interoperability in the San Francisco area. Now, we're talking about local operations to Garrett today. So what he's hearing and he is observing in the San Francisco area may not really work where you are, but it might also. And that's the interesting thing about the scanner radio hobby is that by learning and by adjusting and by going out and finding, right, what we call the secrets are in the searches, by going out there and listening, observing, taking notes and understanding how communications happen in your area really elevates your understanding and your enjoyment of the scanner radio hobby. So with that, we're going to join the conversation that Garrett and I pre-recorded, and I hope that you enjoy it. Garrett, it's always a pleasure to have you back on the podcast. Thanks again for uh, for coming in today. Phil, no problem. Thanks for having me as always, and thanks for everything that you do to support our hobby. Oh, my pleasure. So for anybody who doesn't quite know you yet from listening to our previous podcast episodes. Why don't you do a quick a quick introduction? Sure. I think by now, Phil, I'm like a three-peat offender, at least, for at podcast least. episodes with you. So hopefully everybody is, has heard some of the previous episodes. My name is Garrett. I live in San Francisco, California, uh, and have been just a long-time uh, scanner user and, and listener for, gosh, ever since I was, I can remember, ever since probably early high school days. And I currently use some Uniden products to, to do my scanning currently, as of late. So I don't know. I think that's the probably the fastest introduction I can give you there, Phil. That's, that's the shortest. It's <laughs> a short one so far. They, they get shorter and shorter, right? So the last time when we spoke, though, we were talking about monitoring what the, the San Francisco Bay Area and this Eastern Region communication system and and uh, everything you found out from just analyzing the system with just a couple of scanners and and your two ears, right? Exactly. We had a great session about, I believe it was simulcast systems and listening mm-hmm. to and really narrowing down how you listen on simulcast systems to really get to what you want to hear. That's absolutely as local as you can dial into your geographic location is what we were going for. Right. And I think what you're here today just kind of laser focuses in just another, a little bit closer on that, right? Yeah, I do. I want to talk a little bit about simulcast systems, but more so in the context of interoperability and mutual aid. So yes, a similar theme, but a a bit of an offshoot from it. And I think interoperability kind of is one of these big question mark, I think, when it comes to people who are scanning, right? Because it's like, what is interoperability? Who uses it? When is it used, right? It's it's always like, do I even bother programming this into my scanner? How come I don't hear anything on the interoperable channels? Or, you know, it's it, there's a lot of stuff that comes around with this. So I know I just threw a lot of questions at you. So I'm just going to let you take a bite out of one of them. And what is interop? So let's, let me set the stage a little bit here, Phil. First and foremost, for the session today on this podcast, I want to focus on the county level interoperability and mutual aid. There are state 
and federal interoperability uh, communications that exist as well. And for us here in the United States, county, probably overseas, would translate to maybe like a parish or something like that, right? Something in just a, a fairly, fairly contained geographic location. So we're going to focus on that for the podcast today. But interoperability, great question. Let's start with what is it? And I had to actually do a little research on this myself. And I came up with the following definition that I have as that I did take a bit off of the FCC's website. So let me, for all of us who are watching, let me make sure, am I sharing my screen here? Perfectly? Yep, you're sharing your Great. screen, yep. So I did have to do a little do a little research on this. And I, I, I started with the FCC, Federal Communication Commission, for all of us here in the United States, to try and start to define what interoperability means. And interoperability, just to kind of summarize everything that's on the webpage I'm showing here, is the ability of a system, in our case, a radio system, to work with or use the parts or equipment of another system. So being able to interoperable, interop communication systems within, you know, maybe multiple departments and within the same equipment being used for multiple multiple departments or, or systems. What I also found out about interoperability, and I don't wanna to go too far down this path, Phil, because I said we wanted to keep it to the county level, but there's actually at the FCC level, there is a communications security, reliability, and interoperability council. So something else I came across in my travels. And this council produces reports and best practices on interoperability as it relates to, from what I can tell, really equipment and best practices on implementing that equipment as well. But needless to say, interoperability has a lot of, of different definitions depending upon what lens you're looking at it from, whether it be county, state, or federal level. But that's the, the definition of interoperability. Hopefully it gives us a good starting point for from the textbook there. Yep. I'm just scanning this right now too. And it's looking like, you know, acronyms, <laughs> you know, NG one one and oh, NSEP yeah. and you know, all these all these other links and stuff. It's it's definitely a government type of uh, you know, make make kind of kind of like I give you credit because it makes your eyes kind of like roll in the back of your head a little bit as you as you're trying to read through what this document is. It's a typical you know, overly complicated explanation on a, on a government website for something that's pretty much simple, right? Simple for sure. Simple, at least in theory. <laughs> theory, yeah, until you get everybody, to, all these people trying to play in the same sandbox. <laughs> exactly. So I want to take this one step further in defining interoperability. It also has to do with mutual aid. And you'll find that a lot on radio reference and some of the you know websites you might be using as a reference to program your scanner. And, and we'll talk about it too in the context of, of today. Mutual aid, hopefully is the term already gives some insight into, is organized, supervised, coordinated, cooperative, reciprocal assistance in which appropriately trained personnel, equipment, and the physical facilities of all participating agencies are utilized for an emergency response. So there, there we go. And I found that actually most succinctly worded on the Orange County Fire Mutual Aid Plan. And I believe that's Orange County here in Southern California. And I referenced, I found a couple of definitions of mutual aid. I thought that was the best one, a little as succinct as, as possible there. So hopefully that gives us a good starting point here for what interoperability is and what mutual aid is with textbook definitions there, Phil. How does that sound? It sounds pretty good. I, I was, I was, you know, picturing like a, a, you know, 
I don't want to say the wrong thing here, but it sounded like like a Baptist preacher when they when they got all these you know oh, yeah. adjectives and you know the these phrases and it's yeah you, know, you just keep building on it, building on it, building on it. But yeah, I mean they 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 certainly defined it, you know. So that that was yeah. a good resource you found there. Yeah, absolutely. So so that sets the stage. What we're looking for is we're looking for interoperability frequencies or interoperability communications as well as mutual aid. So where, where I want to go next on this, Phil, and I don't, maybe I'm not fully answering your, your questions yet, but I think I'll get there and let me know. If oh, I'm sure you got it. Yeah, you'll get there. <laughs> what, do, what do we hear on interoperability frequencies or channels or, or talk groups? What do we hear on it? So I boiled down what I hear on interoperability, and that's tactical responses between departments. So that can be the sheriff talking to local law enforcement or talking to a, a state law enforcement organization. It can be public transportation talking to law enforcement. Could I, I heard court like court mar- marshals or someone on the parole team? I think talking to the sheriff's office as well as here in California, we have a lot of emergency response that gets escalated crosses county lines to the California Highway Patrol. California Highway Patrol here in in California is roughly equivalent to our state police. So anything that crosses county lines, they they are usually, if nothing else, informed. You also hear air to ground units on interoperability frequencies. You hear training sessions. And what I heard in particular, and I'll talk about this later, is how candidates are performing in various physical fitness tests and physical training. So you hear a lot of actual cadet and law enforcement training, probably fire training as well, though I haven't specifically heard that, although I would imagine it's out there. And then you also hear a lot of communications from one agency asking for help from another. So I heard, I heard, I heard for example, I, I thought this was a funny example, and I quote, can you call San Francisco General Hospital and see if anyone has walked into the emergency room within the last half an hour with no shoes on? That's our probably our suspect. And I thought, well, that's specific. Uh, so someone has to you know, call that in through an interoperability channel. What I also hear on interoperability is radio and coverage checks. So they'll be out somewhere in the field and they'll, they'll be saying, hey, you know, how's, how's my coverage here? How's it there? And I want to talk actually a little bit later on in the best practice section, why that's actually so interesting. It sounds kind of boring, but it's actually very interesting. Uh, you also hear a lot of local event coordination and responses. So things like parades, festivals, concerts, anything that's you know time and date bound that needs to have a lot of cross-organizational boundary you know, facilitation, if you will, right? The sanitation department has to talk to law enforcement about, you know, the cleanup protocol or something like that. Or when So we're talking meet. like a parade or Correct. just something like that, or a, yeah. a race or marathon yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they'll use then, interoperability to coordinate resources there. And then in a situation like that, like you said, you're bringing in sanitation, you're bringing in PD, you're probably bringing in a, a CERT team, right? Civilian emergency response team, OEM would be in there. You probably have a medical response crews that are sitting there, a, a volunteer organization to help with, you know, reports and stuff like that. So that's that's what you typically yep. would expect to hear at an, an event like that then, right? Yeah, Just trying to absolutely. fill in a little blanks. Yeah, okay. Absolutely, yeah. Okay. And then 
I want to also talk a little bit about some summarized observations that I've made scanning this, you know, county interoperability. I've made already some references to this, but I want to kind of solidify that a little bit. So San Francisco, these, these are actually somewhat generic examples, also mixed in with some real stuff that I've heard. So San Francisco Police Department was coordinating with the Highway Patrol on an incoming suspect vehicle that was coming from another county over the Bay Bridge into the city and county of San Francisco. And I, I could hear Highway Patrol interfacing with San Francisco PD to say, hey, you know, heads up, you have this, you know, suspect vehicle approaching. They're not complying with officers' orders, you know, just letting you know if they take an off-ramp into San Francisco proper, you know, this is going to start to hit city streets. So to, to cut you off here, so you're not hearing these kinds of heads up type of transmissions over the, we'll say the roaming or the PD that they're going to be going into or something like that. This is coming over straight up at interop frequency or talk group. Okay. This, what we're talking about today, right? It It's, it's very specific to where you are. So this may be the same as to where somebody else might be listening. It may be slightly different. It may be completely different, but the end result is more or less the same. So like I know where I am, they wouldn't jump onto an interrupt frequency to say, hey, by the way, we're, you know, we're, we might be taking the off ramp and heading in. They, that would go out on a command channel, which isn't really an interrupt channel. And then it would be raw, rebroadcast on each particular precinct that would be the destination or coming into type of deal. When I was able to listen to my local police department here for the encrypted, it was always notify Suffolk County, notify NYPD. That that, and then the dispatcher would get on the phone and notify. You know, I mean, this was probably also before too. They had all these interrupt plans in effect the way they do on this level now because you know my PD went encrypted almost a decade ago, if not longer than that. So I mean, things have changed drastically. I mean, there's always revisions to what. So yeah, I just want to put that out there now that. You know, this is this is a guide, right? This is not set. This is not going to be a. It works for you. May not exactly translate. My but it's it mileage. My yeah. Y M M V. Exactly. But yeah, good. It's it's definitely one of these things that will definitely help out, though, regardless of where you are. And it's an interesting point you make, Phil. I think there are coordinating agencies, even on these interoperability frequencies, that play better together. Than mm-hmm. others, so well, they train example, together too. I mean, that's yeah, the whole point. So, yeah, exactly. So, for example, California Highway Patrol seems to have a pretty good relationship with San Francisco Police Department. And, however, when the San Mateo County Sheriff is pursuing a vehicle across county lines, they use the same protocol. And I've only heard one example of this, so this this might be you know this is one data point. They do a very similar process to what you said. Hey, call. California Highway Patrol, you know, tell the dispatch this, right? They're on an interoperability frequency for the county. But if they need to inform another agency, they contact their dispatch and their dispatch contact California Highway Patrol. So I think depending upon these partner agencies and how tightly knit they are from a dispatch or from a interoperability perspective, we'll actually pass back to the dispatch to then make the communication to a, another responding agency, or they will actually do it over the air. Both, yeah. I think, are are definitely possible, depending upon, you know, I, 
frankly, I'm not sure what depending upon. Right. I, I just kind of hear the end result of of that communication. And, and right. Just... And they've all got their protocols, too, because it could even be too like, you know, they're all in pursuit or whatever. They can't leave the channel they're on just in case something happens and they got to notify. Nobody's going to go rogue and go on a, in, you know, right. a, a channel that they can't talk to the rest of the fleet on either. So, you know, the, the central coordination there would be through, I assume, through dispatch. You know? Right. Right. So the other thing I, I often hear is public transportation transitioning to law enforcement. So someone's coming up out of a subway, for example, here in San Francisco and, you know, BART police, BART is our subway system, basically, you know, they're transitioning to a city street and can, can we, you know, contact San Francisco PD or can we, you know, reach out to that dispatch, similar as you said, you know, and inform them, you know, suspect is now on you know city streets or local mm-hmm. to this specific stop that kind of thing so a lot of like because obviously public transportation crosses a lot of county lines and so when someone gets off a train here versus there you know they have to have some sort of you know general channel if you will right an interoperability channel to be able to to make that communication right so i, I heard that you know quite a bit training as well this one was a funny one and, and i'll quote this i heard on an on an interoperability channel in san mateo county Competitor 23 has completed confidence course and monkey bars in X amount of time. I had to fill in the X. I didn't quite catch the actual time, but has filled, has completed this in X amount of time with no penalties. For some reason, using interoperability channels for training and sort of cadet recruitment, I suspect. Uh, could also be radio so training just, too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it could be that somebody is doing the, you know, the, the exercise course and it's somebody's job to be on the radio to report that in as a, you know, you never know. Never know. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, if, if that's something that is of interest, that, that seems to be out there. Radio testing as well. I mentioned this a little bit earlier and something that I wanted to hit on in the radio testing that I think is really important because when I first heard it, I thought, oh, that's kind of boring, right? Like, hey, this is, I, I don't, I don't remember specifically. It's like, hey, this is John or this is, you know, technician B. And I'm over in, you know, Half Moon Bay testing, you know, radio one, two, three. Can you hear me, Bill? And Bill responds, yes, I can hear you, you know, signals clear, that kind of thing. And and at first I thought, well, that's, again, that's kind of boring. But it actually gave me some really good insight into how far these radio systems travel and how much, where they're trying to achieve coverage with these radio systems. And so, again, at first dismissal of all of this, I went back and said, actually, this is, Kind of interesting stuff. They're trying to fill in the gaps around where coverage might not be good, and mm-hmm. and really understand how far and wide these systems these systems reach. Uh, the other thing that I heard on interoperability quite a bit is I think it has something to do with law enforcement and maybe like a parole team, but law enforcement teams working together. So interoperability, I don't necessarily think department you know, like a fire department working with law enforcement, you can actually have interoperability work within law enforcement, for example. So I heard the sheriff working with a parole team trying to track down someone who I believe missed, probably missed their court date is my right. guess. Right. right. Um, so interop also can mean enter to that, that agency as, as well. So, and again, I, I think this was some sort of suspect that didn't you know, make his court date. You can only sort of guess as to what the real story so is. So it's the same guy left his shoes at home? Could have been. <laughs> this actually I did here in a different county, but maybe, maybe he also yeah. left his shoes at some point. <laughs> I don't think I put it past whoever this individual was. He was hard, hard to catch though. So I imagine he had shoes. 
Gotcha. <laughs> Let's see. So one of the things I wanted to chat about next is best practices. So okay. if I'm going to scan interoperability frequencies and mutual aid, what should I do or don't do? First and foremost on my list here, don't forget county analog and mutual aid channels. And what I mean by that is if you are to look at radio reference and, for example, take a look at, and I'll hopefully start sharing my screen here. Yep, it's up here. Are, viewing us on video. If you look at the San Francisco County radio reference page, you'll notice that on this page, there is a mutual aid in San Francisco County. There are only two channels here. There's a UHF and it looks like an 800 FM mutual aid channel. So don't, don't overlook those. What I did to start with very often when looking at mutual aid and it is in, and interoperability is I would look at the city and county systems. In San Francisco here, it's the San Francisco County and City P25 system. This is our simulcast Project 25 Phase 2 system. And right there at the top, you'll notice the interoperability. And I, I started scanning that right away. I just went, oh, interoperability makes sense. I'm going to scan that. But what I didn't do was also incorporate those mutual aid channels that weren't on the large city and county simulcast system. Now, truth be told, I didn't hear a lot on these specific mutual aid channels, but still probably not a bad idea to omit those or at least be aware of the fact that those exist as well in, into or outside of those larger city and county. Right. Uh, and not systems. to cut you off here either, but just looking at what you have on screen again, every place will be different, Yeah. but you have a UHF frequency, right? 453-225. Then you have an 800 megahertz one, 852-175. But when you look at the type, right, you've got RM and then you've also got an M. So the UHF channel is repeater and mobile, while the 800 is mobile only. What's also very interesting here is the fact that in the tag, the UHF channel is interop, but the 800 is multi-tack. I mean, that alone too, it can kind of, is a head scratcher. Like, is it multi-tack and interop or is it not an interop? Great, great point, Phil. And <laughs> Not sure I have an answer for you on that one, but I get where you're going with it. Yep. So don't, you know, don't, don't overlook some of the, you know, mutual aids and interoperability you might find just straight away on mm -hmm. the county page. The next best practice I'll outline is record the audio. If you're going to sit there with your scanner at your desk or in the kitchen and try and listen to an interoperability or mutual aid channel, you're basically listening for an emergency response that requires multiple departments, multiple counties, lots of resources coming to the table, and hopefully those are rare. And so because those are hopefully rare for the most part, you're going to want to put your scanner in record mode, set it on a shelf somewhere, and see what happens with the results of that scanning procedure. That's that's typically how I scan all the time, but I don't believe just in what I've come through in the past you know year of scanning these frequencies that Sitting there trying to catch an interoperability transmission is, is a great use of time. It is not like a dispatch channel where, for example, here in San Francisco, I can listen to a dispatch channel on my scanner and there is constant traffic, right? Every couple seconds to maybe every couple minutes, there's, some, there's something I can listen to. Interoperability and mutual aid does not work that way. So you have to, you have to play the long game on, on scanning these. 
So what you're saying is for the most part, prepare to be listening to nothing. Prepare to listen to nothing for a very long time. Yes. Okay. And give and, and give yourself sort of that grace, like mm -hmm. scan it for a couple weeks, scan it for a couple months, because again, it, it takes a larger incident or problem for these interoperability and mutual aid channels to come to life, so to speak, mm -hmm. right? To have traffic on them. The next point I want to make is what is so great about interoperability? It's not encrypted, Phil. Because, interoper because <laughs> interoperability and mutual aid require multiple departments or multiple departments within an agency, they're not encrypted. And we all, we, we're not going to go down the path of the uppercase E, <laughs> Phil. We're not going to do it. But uh, this it. is something This is something that I know we've talked about a lot mm -hmm. together and just generally you've talked about on the, on the podcast. Oh my gosh, something is encrypted. I, you know, I'm going to throw my scanner away. If you've had that thought, look at interoperability. It's it, I, I'm pretty sure I don't not 100% sure about this, but because of the nature of it being an interoperability channel and frequency or talk group, mm -hmm. it has to be unencrypted because right. so, working with multiple agencies who might have different equipment or might have different compatibility that we have to be aware of, and therefore encryption is probably really hard, and therefore they're they're not encrypted. <laughs> so it's right. listen. So that's that's a good point to make. So this is now we can close the loop here or we can address this, you know, in, in for, for the audience and poll the audience. Right. So if you're watching this on YouTube, you can leave a comment down below and let us know. Do you have you listened to Interop? Do you find that it's encrypted or not encrypted? And of course, if you're over any part of our scanners community on Discord, bring it up in the chat over there as well and just let us know. What are you seeing locally to you? Is it encrypted or not encrypted? Because I know as soon as we're done here. I'm going to go and check out the database by me and see, because I know, I know my county has got a pile of encrypted talk groups and I've never actually given it a second thought to listen to because now I'm wondering why it, it was there an E there or is it just never any traffic on? So I don't think I've ever logged anything on using the unit trunk or anything on the interop groups, but it could be the way that my local county works because they all have these tax channels and these admin channels and they all have their, you know, their, their event channels anyway. So they may not even be using these interops, but that's a good point though. I mean, I, I'd love to hear some local feedback on encryption on, on interops. So back absolutely. To you. absolutely. Yep. Your mileage may vary. Absolutely. It might be different yep. Yep. in other, other parts of the world. In fact, it probably is. Hey, I'm jumping in here really quickly just to remind you that our Patreon supporters at the $3 or a higher level don't get this break in the audio formatted version of this podcast. For everyone else, we'll catch you all in just a second. Chances are pretty good that you shop online and buy things online. So whether it's Amazon or eBay or Scanner Master, maybe you got a new radio and you're going to buy new software from Butel. You can help support the podcast with your online purchases. If you use our support page before buying things online, you can support our show without it costing you a single cent. So before you buy your groceries, your golf balls, your socks, or maybe a new radio, software, or whatever it is. We would love it if you could use our affiliate links before you make that purchase. And this will help support the show at no additional cost to you. Go to scannerschool.com support to find out how you can help us out. Thanks again. Do you feel lost when it comes to the scanner hobby? Are you looking for someone to answer your questions? Do you have a new radio and you need help understanding how it works? Or are you working on a big project and need somebody to bounce ideas off of? Do you need a little bit more personal 
assistance than what you can get from an online community and are you looking for somebody to dedicate their attention and their time to helping you out when it comes to getting you unstuck with whatever it is that you are struggling with when it comes to the scanner radio hobby i'm here to do just that See, you can book me for a session right now where I'll sit on Zoom and do a video or a screen share with you just as if I am sitting across the table and helping you out. You can book your tutoring session right now by going to scannerschool.com slash tutoring. I can't wait to help you out. Unication's G2 to G5 pages are great additions to your radio collection. Not only can they alert you with two-tone pager activations, but they can also monitor your local P25 simulcast systems that many scanner radios have problems receiving. And of course, many of our scanner school listeners are happily using their Unication pagers to scan their local trunk systems. How do I know? Because they've reached out to tell me. My company, East Coast Pagers, is an authorized Unication, Swiss phone, and Apollo pager dealer. We not only support departments and agencies, but also the home hobby user as well. Find us online at eastcoastpagers.com. What other best practices do I have? Let's see. There's a lot of simulcast at the county level for interoperability. In fact, I think with the exception of some of these mutual aid channels, for example, that I'm showing here on my screen, the interoperability comes through a simulcast system here in San Francisco, it, it certainly does. And it does for the other surrounding counties. Now, I know, Phil, we've talked a lot about or you've talked a lot about simulcasts in the past in the podcast, but you have to have the right gear to really listen to simulcast well. So if you want to listen to interoperability, again, in my area, it's through a simulcast system and we know the challenges that that might bring if you're not using the right gear. And we're talking, talking trunking simulcast here. I think the other thing is we look at is the, the definitions sometimes blur together as well. When you say you're on two places at once and when you're on conventional and you're on trunking, are you simulcasting the same information on both frequencies, meaning that you're, you're on two channels at once? <laughs> or are we saying we're simulcast as far as a trunk radio site? So I think you're saying both, right? You, you got a, you got an issue with with the trunk system itself being simulcast, but be advised you could be on two frequencies at once, simulcasting the same thing on multiple networks or multiple systems or multiple technologies as well. You got it, Phil. It's yep. exactly right. There's just there, there can be a lot of variables. And Phil, you and I have talked about this actually. I think even in particular, I I happen to be a you know big unit and fan. I have the SDS 100 and 200, and I had had previously the BCD 436 and 536 HP. And as soon as I upgraded to the SDS line, it was amazing what I could hear. And this is one of those things that I was ever grateful for making that upgrade because it opened this type of a, a world up to me. I could I could really hear this without without much effort, right? Just making just programming it into the scanner unlocked a lot of this traffic, being able to hear it. Right. Hey, I'm looking right now too. While while we stopped the screen share, I brought up my local county on their P25 system. So they've got. 10 interop talk groups set up that are non-encrypted or haven't been flagged as being encrypted in the database. There's a Nassau, because I'm in Nassau County, interop. And again, these are all tagged as interop channels in the tag column. But there's one that's a law attack service group that says Suffolk police interop. It's a law attack tag and it says it's encrypted. So go figure there. <laughs> so 
who knows to keep on going because there's, there's a lot i mean i'm i'm sitting here taking notes too on what, on what is you're talking about so this is good stuff right. good so i said we wouldn't go too far down this this rabbit hole but i, I want to just tease it out a bit mm-hmm. there is also state and federal interoperability here in california for example i'll give one example there's a frequency called calcord which is short for california coordination which is on-site emergency response coordination. So far as I can tell, just about any agency, any law enforcement or emergency respond, an agency responding to an emergency will have a the CalCord frequency in their radio. And that's for on-scene interoperability. So if there's a helicopter that's been dispatched, if police are working, if the fire department is working on responding to that emergency, and everybody's within probably you know, sight of each other, right? A simplex frequency, somebody that's, you know, we're just going to go radio to radio. Calcord is another interoperability or, or mutual aid. I don't know if it's technically one or the other, but it's, it's, a, it's an interoperability or mutual aid-esque type of frequency that we have here in California. I would imagine it's in other states as well. It's, it's, it's well-documented on our California Office of Emergency Services. Gotcha. And speaking of California Office of Emergency Services, we have a California Office of Emergency Services, and they have radio networks all over the state. And I have just started to dip my toes into scanning more on the state and federal interoperability frequencies. And that's hopefully a a whole nother podcast we'll get to do together, Phil. So again, I want to keep us at the county level, but sort of (laughs) entice people to look even you know, even broader if they're if they're mm-hmm. looking to get into the state or, or federal side of, of interoperability. So that those were those were my best practices, Phil, for what I come, came up with on scanning interoperability and and mutual aid. So some observations I made. I listened to three in particular, three counties here in the in the San Francisco Bay Area, and these are ones that I typically listen to on a regular basis. It's San Francisco County, San Francisco City and County. Same thing. And then the San Mateo County, which is south of San Francisco, and then Alameda County, which is over east of San Francisco. And in San Mateo County, just to give you some examples of what I heard on that simulcast mutual aid system, I heard a lot of parks and recreation teams talking about reservations, make sure, hey, making sure you lock up the gate at the end of the day, moving people from in different parts of the park. So saying, hey, this, you know, this area is full, make sure people are, are guided to a different area of the park. This was kind of interesting to me. I, I, it seemed to me that they were using this as a fairly normal sort of operational channel, but okay. yet it it came in in my scanner and, and I cross-referenced it in radio reference, had it as an interoperability channel. And so it seemed like occasionally what I heard was normal day-to-day coordination on an interoperability frequency. I don't, I, I don't know. Maybe it was a failover frequency, right? They were doing some system maintenance on the usual, you know, frequency sort of talk group that they use, maybe. And so they they switched over to an interop, maybe for just a brief period of time. I, I really don't know, but that was something that I, I did here as well in that system. Gotcha. Uh, let's see. Just a lot of parks and rec also over on the East Bay Regional Communications System, which is the simulcast system over in Alameda County. They have a system-wide interoperability frequency. It's called Interop 1. At least that's how it's outlined in radio reference. Again, a lot more parks and recreation 
talking about a missing hiker, indicating that the sheriff was going to be in route to support that. I heard things things like putting cones out and taking them back after a sick event at the end gotcha. of the day. So you, you do also get occasionally this, you know, normal operation type of, right, of right. conversation. Right, right. kind of like a pullback or a catch-all, right, frequency that they maybe. jump onto, yeah. Yeah, maybe. And I, again, I'm not entirely sure why they have why they use that for parks. Maybe there's something to do with parks and rec because I found... Okay. With the exception of San Francisco, Alameda County, and San Mateo County, a lot of parks and rec jumped on these interoperability frequencies for periods of time and used them for what seemed like very normal operations. So I don't know if something's mislabeled or they Mm -hmm. in radio reference or if this is normal, they just use them occasionally for I'm not sure the whole story there, to be honest. Let's see. Let's 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 finish up with San Francisco County. So San Francisco County, I also heard a lot on, they have these special event interoperability frequencies on the 800 megahertz system. It's called the Event 3 channel. I think in radio reference, they talk about traffic lights being out on Crystal Springs Road. They talk about the 4th of July parade. Uh, and I did hear police, fire, and EMS all on the same interoperable, like special event channel in San Francisco County on the 800 system. I heard them talking about the 4th of July parade. I did hear, this was kind of kind of an interesting one. I did hear a call go out on this interoperability frequency for the 4th of July parade indicating a civilian car had entered the parade area. It didn't seem like it was, you know, an emergent response that was triggered, but we all know a car out of place in a parade can be a very serious issue. And so they use interoperability from what I can tell to all very instantly be on the same communication channel, literally. Right. Literally so, as, a, as a look out, watch out, yeah. there's somebody yeah. coming so that down. There yeah. Is, yeah. So that there is in theory, I think, you know, zero uh, lost in translation. Like if a real zero latency either. Zero latency. That's yeah. A, yeah. That's a better way to put it, Phil. Like there's no, okay, dispatch, contact the fire and con- right. you know, everyone. Right. then yeah. the destruction's already happened exactly. or the situation's resolved itself. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. So there was there was something that I was hearing around for the Fourth of July parade for that. Interesting. So that was that was an interesting one. So that's that's you know I think those are the high points between those three three systems. I've got a couple of other bits and bytes. You know, people fighting mm-hmm. at Pier Thirty Nine. I don't know why that was on an interoperability frequency. Pier Thirty Nine here in San Francisco, Phil, is one of our major tourist traps, and so <laughs> not a trap. Not sure why trap, that huh? seemed like pretty yeah. pretty normal stuff. I'm sure, but. <laughs> you know, some other odds and ends that I heard on these, uh, these gotcha. frequencies, but just give you a flavor of what I heard across those three systems in particular. So I got a question here for you is um, we've looked through radio reference and we've gone through the different county levels here. You, you made mention to county level interrupt plans. California's got their own office of emergency management, whatever it is that they call themselves out there. But there may also be different radio plans too that fall. Again, we're talking about county level here, but it it may pay to think about, well, there's at the federal level, we have NIFOG, right? Which is the Interoperable Frequency Operations Guide or was, is that what it stands for? I, I forget. National Interoperability Field Operations Guide. There's that. I think that's what you're... Is that what I said? I don't remember now. I checked the transcript. National- yeah, National Interoperability Field Operations Guide. Gotcha. That's a mouthful. So it certainly is. I told you it's a federal acronym, right? So I, we know there is that on the federal level, and that breaks down right where where the the medical channels are, and you know the the 
and then the medical check channels and, and the UHF and the VHF and the low band and the 800s and the 700s and you know where you can expect different organizations to operate, what modes, what PL code, what DPL code, you know, P25, simplex, repeated the whole deal. But that's not today. That's a whole other conversation just to, you know, tease it out there for you. But usually there's a statewide level NIFOG, right? So if you think about trickle down, right, where does the statewide get its information from? Well, it pulls from the resources that are available from the National Interoperable Field Guide. And they kind of say, well, this this is on a state level. This is how we're going to use it. So are you saying, based on everything that we've heard today, that there's a county level field guide that even though we don't see frequencies or talk groups, because again, interoperability can happen on conventional channels, analog, P25, or on trunk systems, but it's possible, right, that there's interoperable communications happening on frequencies that are not published in the county pages on radio reference, correct? Absolutely. And okay. like I said, a whole nother you know, podcast episode worthy of state and federal interoperability. But in, in for, for those who are, are seeing this from from the video perspective, and, and we've been over this a, a few times, this is I'll just take San Mateo County as an example. So in San Mateo County, we have mutual aid. So California law enforcement, mutual aid. I have heard quite a bit on this green countywide mutual aid channel, for example. This one, that one is, I hear a lot on that. I mean, a lot. I hear traffic on that one when there are, you know, events that require multi, you know, cross county lines. And and, uh, it's it's something that would involve probably multiple departments. This is a very active mutual aid channel when it's in use. It's it lights up. And then if I were to look at the San Mateo County Regional Communication System, and I bring that up in radio reference, this is a P25 San Mateo County Communication System. Right there on the top, it talks about interop, interops mm-hmm. one, two, three, four, and five. I mean, the first first set of of talk groups that that come up there, Phil, are are interop. So more to this, you know, we could expand upon this to say, you know, are these similar to what California Office of Emergency Services has? Are there any NIFOG overlapping channels to this? I'll give one quick example that I stumbled across. I believe the Cal the CalCord frequency that I referenced a little bit earlier, the California coordination frequency is, let me see if I can actually bring this up while I'm talking about it, is, the, is a, a frequency, it's 157 I think it's 156.075. I'm pretty sure that's that's it. 156.0750. I think that is at the tail. That might be at the tail end of the Marine Band. If I'm not mistaken. They've got their own Twitter. And that's what it said. It's Calcord 156.075. They do. There on is Twitter. A, there they is a Twitter frequency. account. Look at it. They put their frequency. It can't be an official. Is it an official? No, page? I don't. There's no, no way. I don't. I don't think this is anything official. I think this is somebody. Yeah, I don't think this is. <laughs> well, there's no, um, there's no blue checkbox, but hey, yeah, I don't, I I don't this, have a blue check either. <laughs> yeah, I think this is probably somebody local who listens to Calcord and and posts, you know, what they what that's they that's hear. crazy. So, but the, the the point I'm trying to make is that, and I have to go back and refresh my memory on this, so don't quote me on it. But I think that this. Calcord frequency was something that was selected at the very end of like the Marine Band, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. So there, there are likely radio frequencies out there that 
are overlapping with other bands or other interoperability frequencies you might find at the state and local level. I, I don't think that's out of the question at all, Phil. But yeah. that's what I was looking for here too, which you have on screen now, is if you dig into Google enough, you will find online a local county or a local city or state field guide. And that's really what you want to look for, right? Is your town here or your county here or your state field operations guide. And it should bring up your own version of it. And I've seen same thing here in New York state. I've seen the New York state field guide. I've seen a couple of counties have, have, have leaked it online. A lot of them has got good information too. Just even basically like how to use the radio, like the fire department may, or when they transition to a new trunk radio system, there's usually somebody there high level who is not selling the system, but is basically going to introduce everybody to the transition of the new radio system or into the new radio system. And they'll say, this is how the radio works. And these are all the buttons. And this is what's on the screens. And this is what this does. And this is what that does. And this switch here changes the zones. And when you want to talk to this town, you're on this position. You want to talk here. And then they'll be like, and if you want to interrupt, you go down to zone C or you go into interrupt zone or whatever it is. And then these are where we interrupt at. So you may not see an official like channel one, channel two, channel three, as far as a list of all the channels they're going to use on a specific spreadsheet or whatnot on a typical county level field guide. But you may find this on the PowerPoint presentation that's hosted on the county website for that radio presentation. And it will outline the frequency, the channel, and what it's used for in the radio. And it may be specific to the police radios, maybe specific to the fire department radios, or just maybe generic. And I've seen it also where it goes even further, where if the trunk radio system goes into fail safe mode, what zone and what channel to go into when you're in fail safe mode and the whole deal. So don't discount a radio action plan or something to, to that type of verbiage too, or a new trunk system plan. Cause you may find that little nugget in, in that PowerPoint or that PDF as well. And the, and the guide you on to what frequencies to listen to. So a lot of good stuff when you, when you go through it. And again, what we're looking at here on screen too, right? That V fire 22, that's a standard channel name that you'd find in, in the NIFOG, but it can be recycled and reused on the local level because it's still a nationally defined frequency that's reserved for interoperability. Absolutely. Yeah. Good point, Phil. I think we we teased that out right here. Yep. And I think the other the other part that's great, I, I just happen to be scrolling by this part as you picked up that that one piece of information though, but I, I love how they outline all communications must be in plain language for <laughs> for our interoperability and for our you know mutual aid. So I just for those who are, are listening to the podcast, we're looking at the California Interoperability Field Operations Guide, which is also a mouth, mouthful. Uh, but it indicates things like plain words such as help, assistance, backup may different may have different operational meanings to different agencies. So that's another thing. Actually, it's 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 a good point we're kind of stumbling across here, Phil, is that these interoperability frequencies they try and avoid using departmental acronyms or codes or anything like that, right? If you're working with multiple people that may not be fully trained on how your department operates, you, you got to say stuff in plain English. And right. so it's it's a great way to listen to something that, you know, you don't have to know the 10 code for, right? Oh, I'm responding to a 10-8 or a 10-9 or whatever it might be. And those I just 
those might not be the right ways of using that Phil, but you know, you know, 10 code, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, my, I'm not sure what a 10.9 or a 10.8 is. I just made that up, but you get the idea, right? They're well, it all depends where you are too with the 10.9 and 10.8. Because exactly. for example, here, like my, where I am in Nassau County, a signal 13 is return to quarters, calls over, end of story, everybody go home, right? But the county next to us in Suffolk, a 13 is a working fire. So it's so like, you better not go home. Uh, you better if not you're go mutilating, home right. If you're going to mutual aid into Suffolk County from Nassau and you hear it's a signal 13, what do you do? Do you turn around and go back to quarters? You've got to, you've got to know what's going on. And, and again, plain language is just one of these things. I think we're all overdue for plain language, but a lot of these people, right. They just love their, and it's tough too, right. I'm, 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 I, I have a couple of buff groups that I, you know, keep an eyeball on just to see what's happening. And even in there, it's like working fire. It's like, well, no signal 10 was transmitted, but he's, you know, is it a fire or is it, I mean, at what point does it become a number? You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's funny that you can't even be on the same page, but we just talked about that today, right? What, what the standard, uh, is it simulcast meaning is it simulcast on a trunk system or is it simulcast here on multiple different locations, transmitting different information and in different medium, even a site on radio reference, a site, is it a single transmitter site? Or is it a bunch of linked transmitters transmitting the same thing at the same time considered one giant site, which is now your simulcast site. It's all plain language kind of blurs the line there as well. So let's let's wrap things up here really quickly. And I think I want to summarize what I think I heard you say today is the secrets are in the searches. Wait, no, I, I said that. The <laughs> what really it takes is you're gonna to listen to these 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 interrupt channels. You're not going to hear a lot on them unless something happens. And like you're saying, it could be a quick blurb. So chances of you probably missing something that's happening on there because your radio was scanning or you're listening to something that was active. That's that's what it is. But what can you expect to hear on these interrupt channels? You know, you're thinking mass casualties, natural disasters, for example, wildfires, flooding, hurricane events, tornadoes or whatever else where you have a bunch of large responses into a single area where you've got multiple agencies all coming together, all having to work at the same time on the same issues. And while they might be separate as far as job functionality, and they may be on that, there's probably maybe one or two people who are designated liaisons from that agency to the rest of the group who are there. They will be the ones who are on the interoperable channels. And then they will relay that, st that information out to they're independent. So the fire department will have a liaison to interrupt, to talk to the PD, to talk to the EMS, to talk to maybe Red Cross. And then they'll go back to their own respected talk groups or frequencies to share that information as to what's going on with those who are on scene. Even though thinking too, like we talked about routine events, parades, street fairs, marathons, stuff like that. And as we're talking here too, I'm thinking, well, Long Island, we had a bunch of shark sightings this summer. And I'm wondering, too, if maybe the interrupt channels might have been used. I doubt it because I know how my county operates. But the police helicopter was up going up and down the shoreline to see if they could see any sharks in our nice New York polluted waters. But, you know, you've got Parks PD on the ground and you've got the lifeguards that are, that can only see as far out as they can see from their the pedestals. But you also have PD ground units down there as well. So. Coast Guard and whatnot. I'm sure they all talk back to their central dispatch station who then whatever, but that's how we operate. It's not how you operate where you are. So I think a lot of this has to be like we talked about before, your mileage will vary or things 
maybe the same, maybe different, but it does take time to sit there and listen and discover what's out there. Because that's, again, a lot of the fun that happens with scanning is just listening to what's going on, trying something different, and you never know what, what you could expect to hear. And it may excite you or it may bore you, but that's all. That's a lot of the fun of just discovering something new. So really, really good presentation today, Garrett. You did your homework, that's for sure. I tried, Phil. Tried to make sure we, we made this informative. Hope it was helpful to, to everyone. Excellent. So before we split, I'm trying to think of something creative to say here, but I can't find any of any puns. Is there anything else you'd like to bring up before we, we go our own ways? I think that's it, Phil. Hopefully yeah. we'll get together again and, and talk about, you know, state and federal. And I hope, you know, to continue the conversation on, on different levels and try and unpack what we hear on, on different interoperability and mutual aid systems. So hopefully some more podcast content coming your way, coming Excellent. everyone's way. And, and there are opportunities where you will hear national, state, and local all interrupting together. And we are getting close to, as we're recording it, about 10 years from the date we had Superstorm Standy roll through here. And we had National Guard and we had State Office of Emergency Management and we had the county level and we had all those people here. And to hear some Southern drawls coming through the radio <laughs> while, you're, while you're not used to hearing that, yeah, it, it happens. And I guess one last word of advice is don't plan for interop when the disaster is at your doorstep or has already passed. Have this stuff in your scanner. Scanners today, you know, have thousands of frequencies that you can store into memory. Get yourself a SHT, you know, F, drop them in there. You may never hear anything on it, but when the time comes and you want to have this stuff in your scanner, and, you know, Mother Nature doesn't usually knock when there's going to be a disaster unless, you know, it's a hurricane and you got some 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 leeway there. But, yeah, I mean, you're going to want to have the stuff in your radio. And take it from me when I was listening to this stuff after Sandy. It's it's quiet most of the time, but when it's active, you're glad you have it in there. So we'll we'll continue this discussion for sure. Sounds good, Phil. All right, Garrett. Well, thanks again for coming by the podcast. We always appreciate you having you here. And we'll certainly talk soon. Thanks, Phil. Always have a great time. We'll talk okay. to you soon. Hey, Garrett, thank you so much for joining the podcast this week. I always enjoy having you on here, and uh, you're really fun to talk to. And the amount of time that you spent putting together your slides, I really wish that I could have done some better justice in the podcast episode today. But you know what? I think we all learned what it was that you were sharing with us. And of course, I learned what it takes to put a better quality video podcast together. So I'm hoping that you'll be back again on the podcast. And of course, that time we'll have a better production going on when it comes to the video. But again, we all have to learn something somewhere. And just as many people are getting into the scanner radio hobby now and are learning the ropes, well, I'm learning the ropes on how to do video podcasting. Because again, I've done audio for nearly five years now, but this is a little bit different. And I'm doing it all for you guys so that you can digest and understand and enjoy the video podcast a little bit more. Before we wrap up this week's podcast, I want to take a minute here to thank all of our Patreon supporters. 
Alan Gonzalez, Arthur Altrack, Arthur Heron, Bill Kay, Bob Robs, Bob Milton, Brandon Sammons, Brian King, Chris Paris, Craig Harper, Dan, Dave Dombrowski, Dave Pasco, David C., David Kuzneski, Denny Crotty, Dylan Heider, Ed Walsh, Edward Bramlett, Glenn Wright, Greg Johnson, Guy Lee, I Hate Junk Mail, Jack Haycock, Jacques Berry, James Broxton, James Felling, Jay Reed, Jeff Block, Jeff Chapman, Jeff McLeod, Jenny Taylor, Jim B., Jim Heinrich, Joe Curtis, Joe P., Joe Cordoff, John Keel, John Sheldon, John Sweeney, John Goldenberg, Joshua Robb, Ken Newberry, Kenneth Fowler, Kevin Zwicky, Lenny Bauer, Les Stevenson, Lloyd R., Mark Beebe, Michael Gorman, Michael Kroger, Michael Meadows, Mike Lopez, Mike Piltz, Nicholas Stenger, Paul Teal, Raymond Hill, Rich Palmieri, Ronnie Box, Sal Marandola, Scott Lefgren, Terry Wright, Tim Mazza, TJ, Todd Glendie, and William Arcand. Find out more about Patreon and our support tiers by visiting scannerschool.com slash Patreon. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you again next week. 73.